your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 720 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Rangers, obviously, you know, really up against it right now. A pretty uh, rough three-game losing streak, most recently capped off by a 5-3 to home loss against the New Jersey Devils. Trying to get back on track, playing a home-at-home two-game set here against the Ottawa Senators. And what we've done for today's episode is we have teamed up with the guys from Locked On Ottawa Senators. Already uh, had that conversation with them a little bit earlier today and uh, going to play that for you guys right now. Enjoy. All right, we're now welcomed by our very good friend. It's John Chick from New York Rangers. If you're listening on Locked On Rangers, I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller here for a crossover edition of the show. And what better timing? It's a double header, a home and home between the Sens and Rangers this week. Last year, the Rangers went 3-0 and against the Ottawa Senators. John, how's it going, brother? You know, uh, pretty good overall, although as far as the Rangers are concerned, I've definitely been better. Uh, losers are three straight now, and uh, really, uh, you know, a, a three-game losing streak is one thing, but when you consider the fact that it started by the Rangers giving the Ducks their first regulation <laughs> win and then blowing a 3 nothing third-period lead against the Oilers and then starting hot against the Devils, going up 2 nothing and losing 5-3, uh, it's about as bad as it gets. So uh, I'm hoping the Rangers can snap out of it here. Obviously, both of our teams could really use some points, really use some wins. But uh, how about you guys? I see the Senators have obviously won their last two. Uh, how you feeling over there? Well, it's been interesting because it was uh, tough times before this uh, little stretch of wins. And by little stretch of wins, I mean two games. But that game up against the LA Kings, I don't know if you saw the overtime winner, John. Uh, uh, Tim Stutzla, backhand sauce, two-line pass to feed Drew for a breakaway. Look. We get that the Senators are at the bottom of the standings, but that was a nice little bit of excitement that we got to kind of clench our teeth into there. So we're, we're feeling better than we have been lately. Let's just say that. And not to brag, John, well, that first win was against those same Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. What, a bad, what a bad hockey team, eh, by the way? Yeah, they're not very good, man. But uh, <laughs> it was one of those games, you know, the Rangers, they, they had the better of play throughout most of the game. And, you know, Gibson had a really nice game. You know, Gibson's stats aren't very good, but that's due in part, I think, to such a bad team that he has around him. Yeah. But, you know, I think that just kind of goes to a bigger theme with the Rangers this season is that, you know, last year, around this time, there were instances where, you know, they were getting outplayed, but they were still finding a way to win. And of course, part of that was Igor Shesterkin just being ridiculous last season. But, you know, there was just a little bit more grit and a little bit more fight that the Rangers would show around this time last season than they're showing this year. And this year, you know, they'll outplay teams and then they'll just find a way to lose. So I really don't know what's going on. It's been a pretty uh, surprising 180 there. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, hopefully uh, it, it's a big, big couple of games here for both these teams for sure. So I mentioned 3-0 the Rangers were against Ottawa last year. The first one was that 3-2 game where Ottawa was up with five minutes left. Matt Murray got hurt, and they scored twice yeah. in regulation. Didn't even get to it. Shocker, it was Chris Kreider colliding with a goalie. Then the Rangers win 2-1 in the second meeting. Third one, not even close. A 5-1 win for the New York Rangers. What's different about this Rangers team, John, than last season's? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely missing some of the guys that they had last season that left in free agency. Although, you know, the one thing I would say to that is, you know, around this time last season compared to uh, where they are this season, as far as uh, the personnel that they have, it's pretty much the same team. The only really big difference is you've got now got Vincent Trocek instead of Ryan Strom, which to me, I, I thought would be a little bit of an upgrade. And, you know, overall, I think probably it will end up being just that. Um, but, you know, last year, the, the moves that the Rangers made at the trade deadline, bring in Andrew Cobb, bring in Tyler Mott, who's now obviously a member of the centers, bring in Frank Vitrano, even Justin Braun, you know, kind of run out the blue line a little bit. The Rangers really miss those guys. And I, it's really hard to put your finger on everything going wrong with the Rangers right now. Uh, I think part of it, too, is that, um, you know, Keandre Miller, who looked like he was about to be a superstar, uh, he's regressed this season. Jacob Truba apparently is playing through some quote-unquote nagging injuries, uh, but he hasn't been good at all. And uh, Igor Shesterkin, while he's been good, has not been, you know, a human cheat code like he was last season. So it's a lot, you know, it, it's a lot to just sit here and list. And, you know, sooner or later, it's just got to be gut check time. And you have to have one of those games where you just flat out outwork your opposition and you just say, you know, not tonight. We're going to win this game. I don't care that they have a good power player or they've got, you know, this top line that's on fire right now. Sooner or later, it's just a matter of willpower and the Rangers have to find a way to... uh to just uh, outwork a team and just make it happen and, and come away with two points in one of these games. And, and it's tough. The Ottawa Senators are, Senators are experiencing something similar to the fact that I just checked it out and Panarin was on a 12-game goal drought before last uh, game where he got a goal there. Like When you have a guy like Panarin not being able to put the puck in the net, Similar to in Ottawa, where Sens fans are frustrated with Alex Debrinkat coming over and his shooting percentage is below 10% when it averaged around 15% in his years in Chicago. That's going to affect how your lineup plays. What is it about Panarin that he was stuck in that long goal chart? That's got to be the long, longest of his career. No, 12 games? Wow. Yeah, it's up there for sure. I think part of the reason, too, is that uh, Panarin, like some other players on this team, but I think Panarin maybe more so than anybody uh, selfless to a fault at times. You know, okay. he always wants to set up somebody else for a goal. And, you know, he's a great passer. So by all means, he should be able to, uh, you know, take advantage of that asset and that skill that he brings to the table. Um, and particularly on the Ranger power play, though, you know, they're down to 19th in the league. And when you look at the top power play unit and the players that they can run out there, that is inexcusable yeah. that they're that low. And they kind of all just fell in love with feeding Mika Zibanejad one-timers, which again, I mean, hey, that's a great play. Mika can absolutely rip the puck yeah. and you got Panarin and Fox passing to him. By all means, go for it. But man, you got Chris Kreider in front of the net that you can set up for tipping goals. Uh, Panarin and Fox, I think, should both be shooting more. And uh, Panarin, it's funny because he actually broke his, uh, to, to get it back to Panarin here, he broke his goal streak uh, last night, scoring early in the first period. The game before, he actually had a goal disallowed because they reviewed it and the Rangers were offside. But they were on the power play, and he's got the puck in the right circle, and he starts moving toward the net. And so often what he'll do here, he'll kind of draw everybody toward him, and then he'll pass to somebody else. And as this play is happening, I swear to God, I'm watching it. I go, just shoot it. You know, <laughs> just shoot the puck. And he did, and he scored. And of course, as luck would have it, it was over overruled due to the, uh, the offside. But... Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to see Panarin shoot the puck a little bit more. That That's a way to get out of a slump, and he's got too good of a shot to, to not take advantage of that a little bit more often. So uh, hopefully he's turning the corner here. Uh, Rangers, you know, they, they need their best players to be their best players if they're going to fight their way out of this thing. 
So this is a team with a ton of top-end talent. You mentioned a lot of the guys are on that first power play unit that's, that clicks, but Chris Kreider, we weren't expecting him, right? I wasn't. I don't know. Maybe you can clarify to continue that rabid goal-scoring pace he was on last year. He's got 10 and 23. Still not bad, but after scoring 50 last year. Now, I want to touch on one of the new additions. You mentioned a few of the guys, rental or not, like Cop came and left. You've got Strom gone. Frankie, or sorry, Frankie Vitrano also left. Um, Vincent Trocek was the guy brought in. The numbers aren't popping off the page. How's his play been in the two spot? Um, you know, he's been all right. I thought he got off to a good start this season. I, I think he's somebody where, you know, certain players on the Rangers, the effort isn't necessarily there on some nights. I think he's somebody that at least brings it every single game. Uh, I think for the most part, he's done a nice job, uh, you know, filling into, uh, the spot that Ryan Strom used to occupy on the second line, as well as the top power play unit. Uh, even though the top power play unit has struggled at times. Uh, Trocek's been good. You know, one of those guys that's kind of a Swiss Army knife and does a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, he's a important member of the penalty kill as well. And uh, I believe the Rangers are right around like fourth or fifth in penalty kill in the league. So uh, overall, he's done all right. Um, I don't know if if maybe, you know, if I'm putting like a letter grade on it, I'd give him like a B, B plus somewhere in there. Uh, overall, I like what I've seen from Trocek. I think the Rangers have uh, bigger issues than him right now, uh, to be sure. Um, but, you know, you guys mentioned Tyler Mott a second ago, and I know something that I always like to do with these crossovers is check in on former Rangers. And, you know, we talked a little bit in the offseason when I saw that the Senators had picked him up. Um, but I know Ranger fans are going to want to know because they, they really warmed up to him in a hurry. How has Tyler Mott done so far uh, for your team over there? That's Pilsy's guy. I'll let uh, him take it. I just want yeah. you to know we do not. We specifically do not want to know how Mika Zibanejad's doing, okay? Yeah, we don't fair need enough, to know. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I labeled Tyler Mott as my guy this year, John. I just in the preseason, I love the way he plays hockey. Like he's he's the type of guy that, you know, maybe you don't want him on a breakaway. He's not your top shooter, but all the little things he does so well. He forechecks well. He's able to get the puck to those uh, more talented players that can put the puck in the net. He's someone that's going to block shots. He plays with intensity, and I think in a third-line role, maybe it's a little too much for him. I think he's a really good fourth-line player and a decent third-line player. Right now, he's on the Senators' third line with uh, Derek Broussard and Matthew Joseph, so not a bad line there. But overall, I've been pretty happy with Tyler Mott. And at $1.3 million, he was a guy that was brought in when it was clear that the Senators weren't going to sign Alex Formanton and still have not signed Alex Formanton. So... I, overall, I'm pretty happy with Tyler Mott. What, what would your assessment be, Ross? Like, like he's done what he's needed to do, right? Yeah, I mean, he was he was scoring at the start of the year. Which yeah, he was, was hot to start. Yeah. Just a bonus. He had seven points yeah. in his first six games, I want to say. Well, Ottawa won yeah. four out of those six. And we knew that was an unsustainable pace. But, you know, he, he plays certainly with that edge. He plays strong. He's got a good defensive stick, good on the penalty kill. But certainly regressed a little bit based on that that strong start. I'm with Pilsy. He'd slot in perfectly as a fourth-line guy that can play up, yeah. not a third-line guy that plays down occasionally in, in the lineup. But I think yeah, Locked On Rangers fans might have had to do a double-take when Pilsy said he's playing on a line with Derek Broussard. Yes, yeah. uh, Rangers <laughs> back, back, back yes. again and actually producing. Like He's played a lot in the second-line role because Josh Norris went down with injury. Really sucks for Norris. Like. 35 goals in 66 games last year as a 22-year-old uh, second-year player in the league. And they didn't really have an internal option. Shane Pinto is going to be that Long Island native. However, he's not there yet. So they're like, you know what? We're just going to plug Derek Broussard in. And, I mean, 
it hasn't been great, and Sens fans have been on him a little bit about or the coach's decision to put him there, but still six points in 15 games, and um, he's kind of you know chugging along as he makes his run to a uh, thousand NHL games. I know were most of them with the Rangers. I want to say that at least half his NHL games. He did go on a bit of a league tour though after uh, yeah yeah in Ottawa. He, he was with the Rangers for, I want to say, like four or five seasons, maybe, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. But it's funny that you mentioned him because it was kind of a running joke on Locked On Rangers for a while. Like the first couple of seasons when the Rangers were rebuilding and, you know, doing all this stuff and getting younger. I actually campaigned for them to bring him back on a one-year deal simply because, you know, he knows the team and he knows what it takes to succeed in New York. He's been a part of some deep playoff runs. You could get him for cheap. And at the time... Two of the Ranger four centers were Leas Anderson and Brett Howden. So to me, it was like, there's no reason not to bring this guy in on like a one-year, $2 million deal. And I know they're rebuilding, but you got to have at least a couple of veterans, a couple of uh, you know elder statesmen on the team, so to speak. And obviously, they never did it. And I think at this point, that ship has sailed. But uh, good to know that he's uh, kind of found a home there and is at least giving you decent bottom six production. Just want to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to hockey to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And now we have to have to get into a couple other things before some predictions to end off the show. Most notably, and this is a question, I don't even mean it as, as you know, a, a knife twist or anything, but I am curious because this is a team that over the last couple of years has certainly impressed me. Where would they be if they hit on at least half of those high draft picks? Because you look at the production, whether it's Leas Anderson, who's gone, whether it's Vitaly Kravtsov, who's been healthy scratched, Lafreniere, Kako, who at least are in the lineup. Like, where would they be if if those guys were contributing to the level that that draft pedigree should bring? It's scary to think about, man. And a point that I made during last season, when they got off to the nice start and obviously made all their moves at the trade deadline, the thing that I kept saying is, when this team truly becomes dangerous and truly becomes like, holy bleep, like this team could win a Stanley Cup, is when Lafreniere and Kako and Hedl, all those young guys really you know, step it up a notch and really take it to the next level. Because obviously the star players, you know, Mika, Panarin, Fox, Kreider, you don't worry about them last season. And you brought in those complimentary players at the deadline that did very well. Um, but now we've gone to a, a place where, you know, with those guys gone, all those rentals that they brought in, that's no longer a luxury. Like we're at the point where it needs to happen. Like, like Kravtsov or Lafreniere or Kako, Hedl, these guys need to step up and they need to play like former first round draft picks. And right now they're just not. You know, I thought earlier in the season, Kako and Lafreniere in particular, they were playing better than the results would suggest. They were playing better than their point totals would suggest. But these last couple of games, not really seen a whole lot from them. You know, Lafreniere's taken a couple of uh, bad penalties in the third period. Kako's kind of been moving up and down the lineup. I'd kind of like him to play in the top six instead of Jimmy Vesey. But what do I know? They keep putting Jimmy Vesey on the top line for some reason. So, and, and Vesey's fine. You know, don't get me wrong. For, for like a bottom sixer, a fourth liner, penalty killer type guy, he's fine. But uh, for him to be up there instead of, you know, Kako or Lafreniere, I don't really get that. But, yeah, man, it's not going to happen for the Rangers this season without, uh, I think, some of those kids really kind of bringing their game uh, to a whole nother level. And, um, you know, we, we touched about – we talked about a couple of uh, former Rangers. There's another one in net for you guys, and that's Cam Talbot. 
And I'm wondering, like, how you guys feel about the goalie situation. Because, you know, just going by the stats, obviously I don't watch every Senator game. But, you know, you got Forsberg. He's played, um, you know, 13 games. And Talbot, I believe, has played 10. What's going on there? Like, would you like to see Talbot get more games? Because at least just going by the stats, he's he's clearly outplayed him. So just any thoughts on, on what's going on there? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Forsberg guy, John, but... It's hard to argue with the way Cam Talbot's playing. Like he's yeah. he's been the better goalie. It's as simple as that. And you mentioned it. Forsberg's stats don't look great, but for Sens fans, at least myself, the stats don't tell the whole story. He's he's had tough defending in front of him in, in games that he's played. And sure, he hasn't been as good to Forsberg as he was last year, but he's not as bad as the stats look. But Cam Talbot. Once he came back after his rib injury to start the season, it took him a couple games to get going. But now that he's played in uh, consecutive games here, he's the goalie that won up against the Ducks, won up against the Kings. I think he's going to go on a bit of a run here. And Anton Forsberg is dealing with a minor injury. We're not sure when he's going to be back. So it's Talbot's net right now. And I'm comfortable with that. Like bringing in Talbot was so crucial because Anton Forsberg is a good goalie, but He's not a traditional starter. Like, this now gives them a good 1A, 1B tandem. And right now, I'd have to give the 1A label to Cam Talbot. And I've been really impressed with his rebound control. That's what Talbot has done so well. Because, like I mentioned, Forsberg, maybe the numbers are a little um, terrible based on his defending. But if you let those rebounds there and Ottawa's defensemen aren't that great at clearing it out, you're not going to have a lot of success. So Cam Talbot has had success by not allowing rebounds to be right there in the slot. And there's no second chances or at least much less than Anton Forsberg. So he's been pretty solid so far. And what's interesting too, John, is is they've almost just kind of flip-flopped with injuries. Cam Talbot uh, yeah. cracked a rib in the first preseason game. So he was unavailable. So Forsberg got all of his starts consecutively right off the bat. They ended up picking up Magnus Helberg off waivers, who another New York Ranger, if I'm not mistaken, uh, played one game because that was a part of it, right? Rangers, uh, uh, Red Wings, and Senators, first goalie in NHL history, Magnus Helberg, to get way off track to win his first three starts with three different teams. Wild. So they picked him up. He got the one win. But then right when Talbot got back, it was almost like in San Jose, as Talbot got pulled, gave Forsberg the fist bump. They were swapping spots he's been injured since and he's back at practice right now but I wouldn't rush him back yeah Talbot's been the guy for sure in goal and to flip it over to to the Rangers everyone knows how good Igor Shosturkin is but this is a two goalie league and I'm looking at Yaroslav Halak's numbers yeah. he's a goalie I've been a big fan of for a long time has has father time caught up to him does it seem no uh, wins for Halak yeah I mean it's possible um I would say that for, for starters you know, the thing that's going to really jump off the page is obviously the fact that he's winless in six starts, which obviously is not a good yeah. thing. Um, I, I would argue that he certainly does not deserve to be winless based on how he's played. The way I see it, I if I'm kind of keeping track of, you know, his starts, three pretty good games, one meh game, and two bad games. And, you know, obviously early in the season, you get lit up once or twice, your, your goals against average is going to go through the roof. I don't think he's been as bad as the numbers would suggest, but his most recent start... Uh, that was the one against the Ducks, I believe. Uh, that was that was really bad. I mean, he he let, he let in a couple of really soft goals there, 
And, uh, you know, here's hoping that he can turn it around. But, you know, again, the way things are going for the Rangers, I'm not even sure when he's going to get another chance because you know, sooner or later you got to start winning some games here. You can't just say, like, oh, well, we're playing the Ducks or we're playing the Coyotes or we're playing this bad team or that bad team. We can just go with our backup goalie. Rangers can't beat anybody right now. And then they've lost to some bad teams this season. So uh, I think they're at the point where, you know, even though Igor scuffled a little bit in the game last night, they might ride him until the wheels fall off. And I'm not even sure when the next time we're going to see Halak is, is even going to be. I'm not sure. Maybe if they have a back-to-back coming up, he might get one of those. But even there, I, I think I might just keep rolling with Igor because he got to get some wins here. Yeah, I mean, the Senators have seen their share of backup goalies this year. I want to say, like, Ross, probably like half the games the Senators have team, yeah. seen opponents' backup goalies. So I'm sure we'll see Halak in this home-and-home home series here. We even got the Devils' third stringer. Akira Schmid got the win against Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that was tough. But, uh, look, anytime the Sens and Rangers play, we got to bring up this storyline. Tim Stutzla and Lafreniere, yeah. like... It's just crazy when you look at how sure Lafreniere was the overall consensus, overall first pick, first overall pick. I mixed up the words there. Um, and, and then, one. yeah, 1-1, one, one, the 1-1 one, one guy of the 2020 draft. And Tim Stutzla falls to the Ottawa Senators at third. I think if you ask anyone to do a redraft of the 2020 draft, Tim Stutzla would be ahead now. What do you think has kind of stifled Lafreniere so far? Like, what what's the reason that? Because for me, and maybe you can you can clarify, but for me, it doesn't seem like he's okay or adequate. It seems like he's underperforming. Yeah, he he's definitely struggled a little bit this season. Um, you know, it's it's a combination of things. I mean, I think the fact that. He doesn't ever really seem to stick on the same line at the same spot. That hasn't really helped him a whole lot. Um, never really gets any time on the power play. We talked about the Rangers' top power play unit. Uh, the second unit is lucky if they get 30 seconds on, on most power plays. And and by the time you jump onto the ice and, and try to get possession of the puck, there, there's no time to do anything. Uh, so that helps, his, or that hurts, excuse me, as far as his point total is concerned. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just not, he's just not at the top of his game right now. You know, he... There was a play the other night where, you know, Truba took a shot from the blue line. The rebound comes out pretty high to Lafreniere, and he's going to have some options here, right? He can pass. He can shoot. He can uh, just kind of hang on to the puck and, and see what develops. And instead, the puck kind of just jumps off of his stick and goes out of the zone. So I don't know if he's starting to get in his own head a little bit. Um, it's just kind of a combination of things. And right now, you know, again, he, he just hasn't been at his best. And the thing that uh, is really unfortunate is, you know, that playoff run for the Rangers last year, everybody loved the kid line. They did such a nice yep. job during that run, really sparked the Rangers in certain games. Um, and everybody was thinking like, man, that's going to be the springboard for these kids. And so far, it really hasn't been. I mean, Hedl's had a pretty good season. He, he's produced uh, for this team. He had an injury, but he's produced when he's been out there. Um, but yeah, Kako and Lafreniere just not rolling right now. And I'd like to see them again, get a little bit more time in the top six. I know... Certain fans are going to say, well, you know, their, their ice time is good and everything, but I don't know. I, I just don't like the fact that Jimmy Vesey is getting time on the top line. Barclay Goodrow, who I really like, but I don't think he should be on the second line. He's getting playing time in the top six over these guys. Uh, maybe Sammy Blay is next. I mean, who knows? But um, yeah, just just a combination of things. And uh, again, they're, they're really going to need those kids to step up if they're going to go where they want to go this season. Yeah, that's. Uh, I really thought that kid line was going to stick, and then you start looking like, hey, if these guys can stick together, they'll they'll be a successful line for the Rangers in the future here. And another guy that has always really interested me, and you mentioned him a couple times, is uh, Kako. I I don't know why, just I never really thought he had 
as much potential as where he was drafted because he was a second overall pick, right? Yep, number two. Yep. So, what do you think's not clicking with him? Because he's getting opportunities uh, from what I'm seeing with the line combinations. He's getting opportunities to play with Heedle and Panarin, but it just doesn't seem like he's able to get over that hump as well, similar to Lafreniere. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, just a lack of finish, I think, is what's holding Kako back okay. more than anything. Um, he really, like in the playoffs last year, he really started to take advantage, and toward the end of the regular season last year as well, uh, something he's really good at is just maintaining possession of the puck. This guy can really drive possession in the offensive okay. zone, and if he doesn't want to give up the puck, it's very difficult to separate him from it. He can kind of turn on a dime and, uh, again, just kind of protect the puck from the opposition. Um, and I, I think at first when he came into the league, you know, he didn't want to be that guy that was going to be a puck hog and, you know, who does this kid think he is, that kind of thing. I think he started to realize over these past couple of seasons that, hey, you know, if he if he can maintain possession – and create scoring chances out of that and prolong offensive zone possessions for the Rangers, that's a good thing, and none of his teammates are going to be mad at him. But right now, uh, he just cannot finish. You know, there was a play the other night where he had the net wide open, the goalie was out of position, and he shot it through the five-hole, but the problem is the goalie was so out of position that by going the five-hole, <laughs> yeah. it went out the other side and, and went wide of the net. So uh, just, yeah, I mean, the, the lack of finishes it can just drive you crazy because that kid line, when they're together, the one thing that they're really good at Again, it's just maintaining possession in the offensive zone and cycling the puck, but there's just no finish right now from that from that team. And, you know, really, uh, secondary scoring is something that, you know, even just beyond Kako and Lafreniere, it's really a problem for this Ranger team right now because if it's not Panarin or Fox or Mika or, like, Kreider or Trocek, I don't know who's going to score right now. You know, it, that's just kind of the million-dollar question. So uh, that that's definitely something of an issue. But uh, something I wanted to ask you guys about, because, you know, Ranger fans, you know, we know about Stutzla. We know about, you know, Kachuk and Giroux. Uh, is there anybody that's kind of under the radar that Ranger fans might not be as familiar with that's impressed you guys that we should keep our eye on uh, for this game here? Yeah, 100%. Why don't we get to our lookout and locked on players right after a quick word from one of our favorite sponsors. But before we get to that, my last question, because we talk about the youth, I just want to stay on that for a second because we talked about a lot of the forwards. I didn't realize just how young this decor is for the New York Rangers. Yeah. Take out the captain, Jacob Truba, 28 years old. Everyone is 24 and under with Braden Schneider, 21 years old, playing every single night in the NHL. How have you seen that core develop with the Zachary Jones, the Lindgrens, the Hayeks, and, and, um, and Keandre Miller? You already touched on a little bit, but do they need another stabilizing veteran presence on the back end, or do you think they're going to be all right to ride the youth? It's, it's possible that that could be a move that they look to make. Uh, right now, you know, the, the top four, you know, Fox, Lindgren, Miller, Truba, and I would even throw Schneider in there, the top five. Those guys are pretty firmly entrenched in the lineup, and they're kind of rotating Jones and Hayek in and out of the lineup and just kind of going with uh, whoever plays better. Um, yeah, I, I think they could stand to, you know, add a, a defenseman. The, the one player that, you know, certain, you know, Ranger fans and even fans from other teams seem to be obsessed with that I don't really get the hype is Jacob Chikrin. You know, Ranger fans are dying to add this guy, and he's a good player, but he's got a pretty, you know, significant cap hit, if I'm not mistaken. And the Rangers uh, cleared some cap space by, you know, trading Ryan Reeves, but I don't know that that's the best use of it. I think the better thing to do is to bring a forward into town. This is assuming the Rangers are even going to be buyers, which, you know, that's quite the assumption right now. But I think the thing to do is to bring in preferably a right winger, somebody that can kind of, uh, you know, add to the top six. And then if you want to bring in a veteran, make a move like you made last year. Bring in like a veteran D-man like Justin Braun. Not a superstar, but somebody that's just a very steady pair of hands back there. Uh, I don't see them bringing in anybody all that significant as far as uh, defensemen are concerned. But we'll see. 
Pilsy, you got anything else for John before we get to our predictions and locked on lookout players? Let's uh, let's hit the break and keep on rolling. You are listening to a crossover edition on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller and John Chick joins us from Locked On New York Rangers. Wednesday night in Ottawa and then the bright lights of Manhattan on Friday. A little home and home. First home and home for the Sens this season. Is it the same for New York? Have you guys had any uh, back-to-backs with the same team so far? I don't think that we have, no. So, and I like these. I, I kind of wish the NHL would do these a little more often, yeah. you know, add in like a, a two-game set, home-and-home home or whatever it might be. Um, I remember the the pandemic season, and, and granted, I got tired of playing the same seven teams over and over so and over. So did but we. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing that was kind of neat about that was you would get like two-game sets and three-game sets. They even had a four-game set against the Devils and won all four of those. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the NHL mix in a couple more back, back-to-backs. And, and certainly, uh, this is an intriguing matchup for sure. Yeah, I thought that they would they would take a page out, if not just to cut the travel costs, like come into town, play two games, and, and then go on with it. But interesting to know that they just went right back to how the schedule was before. But I like how this uh, anomaly has turned out with the home and home. Pilsy, why don't you answer John's question then? Who's a player who Rangers fans might not be aware of but will be after this week? I think you got to look at uh, Shane Pinto, and he had a hot start to the season. What what did he have? Five game uh, goal streak. Yeah, yeah. So he really came out the gates firing. He has since cooled off a lot. Only two goals and an assist in his last, I think, thirteen games or whatever. But the reason is Josh Norris went down with injury. He's probably going to be out all season, unfortunately. And Shane Pinto had to be elevated into a second line role. Something he's not quite ready for, and he's figuring it out now, but it was a lot for him to handle because he was very comfortable in that third-line role. And I think he's someone that he plays a really good defensive game as well, and the release on Shane Pinto I think will surprise a lot of people, especially since he's playing with Alex Debrinkat and um, Drake Batherson. Maybe teams will be focusing on those guys a little bit more, trying to tighten things up around them. If Shane Pinto gets time and space with the puck in the slot – Look out, because he can fire that thing so quickly, and he's become more of a goal scorer than a disher, that's for sure. And on the power play, too, the Senators have a nice bumper play that they like to turn to, and Pinto's been the guy finishing on that play, and he's had success. So for Rangers fans, maybe that haven't been following the Sens prospects that much, Shane Pinto's coming in hot. Look out for that release. And he actually got hurt in the fourth game of last season. He missed the entirety of it because of a shoulder surgery needed, just like Josh Norris did uh, this season. Although no surgery for Norris, I should clarify that. He's hoping to come back. But when it comes to Shane Pinto, you know he had that Rangers game circled on his calendar. I mentioned he's a Long Island kid. He had an entire crew of boys when they played in, in New Jersey a couple weeks ago. Rowdy, hilarious. The cameras loved them. And uh, he got a goal in that game, if I'm not mistaken. So they had something. Two goals. Oh, two goals. All right. There you go. Well, two goals in his last 13, then you're you're dating him. Both the goals coming in one game. But uh, he certainly has has the upside. I'll go with another Nodak Sen, as the Senators have continued to use North Dakota as a hockey pipeline for them. It's Jake Sanderson. Like, we talk about the Stutzla Lafreniere uh, back and forth. Like, 
I'm not saying he's going to be as good, but Jake Sanderson's going to be in the mix as being a real top three candidate if in redrafts going forward. He is so good at absolutely everything. There is not a single part of the game that I think needs work. He's just going to get more and more comfortable, and I think that's going to allow the dynamic abilities to show more. But he's already their best defenseman. Like with Thomas Shabbat on this team, he is already their best defenseman. He's 20 years old and he's played, what, 21 NHL games, hasn't missed a game. He's been over 24 minutes in each of the last seven games. Like he's playing on their top pair. He plays first guy over the boards on the power play, first guy over the boards on the penalty kill. And of course, some of this was forced because Thomas Shabbat missed about a week and a half with a concussion. Shabbat's back now. He'll play uh, this week against the Rangers, but. Right now, it's just finding him the proper partner because they've they've tied him to Travis Hamanick, and this isn't the Travis Hamanick that used to dominate with the New York Islanders. Those days are behind him. I mentioned Father Time with Yaroslav Halak. He's come for, for Travis Hamanick. Still, still beaver tapping for passes in the Ozone every single shift, which will be a little humor if you want to watch number 23 in the Ozone, and then he just shoots it 20 feet wide. It's, it's kind of hilarious, but they definitely <laughs> need to work on adding. So I'll say Jake Sanderson, just the, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's tied for first in uh, rookie points uh, as of yesterday. I haven't looked to see if uh, anyone got points last night, but yeah, he is he's a treat to watch. And as a little, uh, uh, an honorable mention, Artem Zub as well, who plays with Thomas Shabbat, just a low-key guy. And you'll hear in Ottawa, and this actually should be a good uh, note for Rangers fans, um, if you hear what sounds like booze just randomly through the course of the game, for some reason, every single time he touches the puck, everyone chants, Zub, no matter what. The best is when he touches it for like a little like one-touch pass, and it'll be like, Zub. And everyone like right. starts but has to stop right away. So no, I'll, I'll go with those two defensemen, and it's not by accident because if the Sens are going to have any success, their decor as a whole needs to be better. So those are the guys that you should be paying attention to for that. Yeah, and for the Rangers, uh, somebody that you know, Senators fans might not be all that familiar with. I'm going to go with Ryan Lindgren, who you know plays uh, on with Adam Fox on the top pairing uh, pretty much every night. Uh, you know, certainly, I, I think. You know, fans of other teams around the NHL, you've at least heard the name, you know who he is. I don't think people, and maybe even I include myself in this, realize how valuable to the Rangers he really is. It feels like every time this guy is not on the ice, you know, if he has an injury or something like that, the Rangers are about to have a complete meltdown. You know, he's just one of those old school, gritty, uh, you know, tough, stay at home defensemen. And, you know, earlier this season, you know, that I mentioned the game that they lost to the Oilers, they were up three to nothing in that game. Lingering gets hurt, and everything just falls apart defensively. And you can also look at the playoff series against the Penguins last season. The Rangers got absolutely killed in games three and four. Well, what did that have in common with the game I just mentioned? Yeah, Ryan Lingren was hurt, and he was not in the lineup. Um, I used to say it's kind of an exaggeration because I'm a big Lingren fan. I used to say, this guy's the MVP of the team. I'm not even sure I'm exaggerating anymore. Like, they, it's, it's staggering how much different this team looks defensively uh, when he's not playing. And he's just one of those guys that I, I think his teammates love him. Uh, you know, he won't hesitate to block a slap shot with his face. I think he leads the NHL in blood spilled per season. Not an <laughs> official stat, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, just one of those uh, old school tough guys. And, you know, given the fact that the Rangers and Senators, I feel like they tend to play pretty low scoring games against each other. And the games can kind of be a little bit of a slog at times. A lot of board battles. Uh, Ryan Lindgren will be right home in that kind of an environment. So I'll throw him out there. And if I want to do like an honorable mention here, uh, I'll throw Philip Heedle. 
because, you know, he got a little bit of a crack with Artemi Panarin and, you know, set him up for a nice goal in the first uh, minute and a half or so or whatever it was against the Devils. So uh, Hedo's been good this season and, uh, you know, hopefully on the verge of a breakout. We've kind of been down that road with the Ranger kids. Oh, he's about to break out. He's about to break out. But maybe this time it's the real deal. So uh, I'll say Philip Hedo as well. Lindgren and Hedo. All right, Pilsy, score prediction for the first leg of the two games this week. You know, I'd, I'd love to be a homer and say the Sens are going to win this game, but I really feel like Rangers, like like you talk about, they're on a three-game losing streak. They just lost to the, the Anaheim Ducks in regulation. Imagine losing to the Ducks. Couldn't uh, couldn't be the Ottawa Senators. No, no chance. Um, so I feel like this is going to be a get-right game for the Rangers, and I think they're going to pour it on. So, unfortunately, I hate to do this, but... I'm going to say 3-1 Rangers. I don't think the Sens have it in them here. Yeah, I'll say 4-2 Rangers. I yeah, don't damn. I thought at least you would bring it uh, back with the Sens. Oh, boy. No. So no. I'm going to go against the grain here, and I'm going to say Senators 3-2 in overtime. I can't Whoa. just pick the Rangers every single game. And, man, sometimes when it rains, it pours. And I don't know. I'm hoping that that game against uh, the Oilers and the Devils is, is rock bottom for them. But I don't know, man. There's just something that's a little bit off about this team right uh-huh. now. And, you know, the, their inability to hang on to leads, that's another thing that we didn't even talk about. The amount of multiple goal leads that they've given up and lost this season is just unreal. So it's just like, you know, they, they take the 2 nothing lead against the Devils, and I don't even, like, feel confident. Like, if this was last year and they're up 2 nothing three minutes into the game, I'm like, man, we're going to roll. We're going to outwork this team. Igor's going to do his thing. We're going to win this game 5-1. to one. It's going to be a lot of fun. That feeling just isn't there for me right now when I'm watching this team. So I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, the center's, from what I saw last year, despite not being a great team, very hardworking team, and I just don't know that the Rangers are going to outwork this team. I mean, I hope that they do, and sooner or later, the effort has to be better, but it hasn't been for a while, so I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things, if I pick the Rangers, it's kind of just because, like, well, they're due, and I guess they are, but I don't know, man. What, I, what I've seen lately, uh, it's not pretty with the Rangers. Well, basically, whoever's winning after the second period is going to win the game. The Senators, when trailing after two periods... 9 and one the Rangers 6 and oh when trailing after two periods so combine those that's a tough look oh 15 and one for the two yeah. teams combined when when they're losing after the second period you can tell all sorts of confidence we have in our own teams here <laughs> on this locked on crossover John we appreciate you maybe you'll jump in the postcast sometime this week we'd always love to have you and maybe we'll do something to wrap this thing up uh, later on maybe the weekend but always a pleasure love doing these yeah, same here. And uh, yeah, anytime you guys want to do a crossover, uh, I'm up for it as long as you guys are. So yeah. All right. Make sure you're following John Chick and the Locked On Rangers podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts. For Brandon Pillar and John Chick, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been a crossover from the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day.